0: It was hard to improve on something that was so good already. I think it's more about maintaining the quality of the craft and being able to teach it to new people because, you know, when you have – I would think for this town we have a pretty low turnover rate, but it still feels kind of high sometimes. And every person that comes in, you're trying to kind of get them to that same quality level, and that does take a long time. And people come in thinking they're going to make drinks right away when really it's like a – it could be – four to six month process to get them to the point where they can make judgment calls on the quality control and stuff. And I know that sounds super snooty for just coffee, but I mean, when you have a product, you want to, you want to serve it? Well, yeah, so definitely. yeah.
1: Flows local listeners out there. This message is for you. If you like to have fun or want to learn a new skill, maybe make some new friends, you should probably check out BV Recreation. They put on all kinds of music events, fine art programs, youth and adult sports, as well as all kinds of outdoor activities ranging from kayaking to bike polo. I personally love using BV Rec's facilities. I like to ride my bike on some of their beautiful trails by the river, maybe go to the skate park, hit a few kickflips, and then go down to the play holes at the river and cool off. Again, if you guys are interested in having good times with really great people, head over to BV Rec located at the community center right by the skate park, or head over to their website at bnvisterec.com. That's B-U-E-N-A-V-I-S-T-A-R-E-C.com. You can use promo code BRAINSCOOP for 10% off your first registration fee. Again, that's com. And remember, staying happy means staying healthy. This message is brought to you by The Blend. The Blend is a great new shop in Buena Vista that offers you a great place to warm up with a coffee or cool down with a healthy smoothie. Go stop in at The Blend on Main Street for a delicious breakfast or lunch served by really kind people. For me, the Blend smoothies are always a go-to for something that will make my whole body happy because I can add all kinds of healthy ingredients and it's always super delicious. Next time you're at the Blend, ask about their new Locals Loyalty Program to get a discount or check out their handcrafted menu at theblendbv.com. That's T H E B L E N D B dot com. Okay, we're here with Annika Wilmington, who is the owner of the Buna Vista Roastery Cafe, which is different than the Buna Vista Roastery um, with Ed, who we interviewed earlier. Um, So, Annika, welcome. Thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: All right. So, the first kind of thing we're going to get into is just like what you do at the roastery and kind of how you got into it.
0: Um. So I started working at the roastery. Oh gosh, maybe seven years ago. I can't quite remember. I moved here in 2010 and worked at Deer Valley Ranch for three years, which is the ranch that my husband's family built. And I, after three years there, I decided I wanted to kind of be in town. And so I started working for Joel and Lori, who used to own the business that Ed now also owns. Um, And after I think three to four years working there, they actually approached me about buying it.
1: So Cool. What did that decision look like? Because that's a big... Mm, tough
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I was 24, 25. I was like just nearly 25 at the time, I think. So I had never envisioned myself owning a coffee shop or really any business for that matter. Um, other than my parents always told me I was really bossy when I was little. <laughs> um, but honestly... At first, I thought they were joking. I laughed when they asked if I wanted to buy it. And after I realized it really was like a vote of confidence and my ability to do it, I thought about it harder and started to looking into um, like getting a loan to do the purchase and kind of what my tasks would be, because obviously I'd been doing the grunt work there for a long time. So the learning curve was more like the bookkeeping and man management yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah.
1: So then, like, were you a big coffee person before this? I'm interested like, mm. how did it – because that, if you're going to buy a coffee shop, I feel like you should have yeah. coffee. Yeah. Or...
0: I mean, I grew up in a house of, like, coffee addicts for sure. My yeah. dad, like, double-fisted on the way to work yeah. every day. And uh, I've been drinking it since I was, like, 12. But that was pretty much just black coffee. I'd say the espresso side was all new. Um, Joel did a really good job, like, kind of teaching us the ins and outs of the kind of higher end – Coffee preparation, and I had been kind of managing the bakery also in the meantime, um, doing a lot of the ordering and whatnot. The coffee was new, but it was natural, I think. And I mean, who hates coffee? Yeah. I mean, a lot, some people do, but <laughs> it's it's not a hard uh, industry to kind of get passionate about. I
1: think. Cool. So how have you like grown that craft a little bit more since kind of like owning the roaster, I guess?
0: Um, honestly. It was hard to improve on something that was so good already. I think it's more about maintaining the quality of the craft and being able to teach it to new people because, you know, when you have – I would think for this town we have a pretty low turnover rate, but it still feels kind of high sometimes. And every person that comes in, you're trying to kind of get them to that same quality level, and that does take a long time. And people come in thinking they're going to make drinks right away when really it's like a – it could be – four to six month process to get them to the point where they can make judgment calls on the quality control and stuff. And I know that sounds super snooty for just coffee, but I mean, when you have a product, you want to, you want to serve it? Well, so yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I know you spend a lot of time like with the customers or with your employees, you cover shifts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so you know, my job, I'm in the back some, doing my own stuff, uh, or fixing things, or out doing accounting meetings, or insurance brokering stuff. And um, But I do cover shifts for the staff a bit, and I actually like it. I have a lot of fun when I'm working with them. Sometimes you know, you've know, got like four months without a day off if a bunch of people have surgeries, or are gone, or whatever, but it it's good for me to be part of the team too, I think, and for the customers to know that I still work there and don't yeah. just sit at my desk. <laughs> I
1: feel like that's very grounding for you, too. So. It is. It is.
0: It's um. It's good because you get your eyes on everything, too, and I'll notice stuff that the staff just wouldn't. I'll be like, oh, why is that not working correctly or why is this happening the way that it is up front? And so I'm kind of um, able to sort of recalibrate a few things every time I work up front with the staff, too. Nice.
1: So, yeah. Um, so going back to what you said about your parents and your boss as a kid, mm-hmm. did you know that? <laughs> You wanted to be like an entrepreneur or be your own boss in a way?
0: Um, I don't know, I was an oldest kid. Um, I'm a really good drone worker. Like I worked for, I worked in a lot of jobs where I've just been like, I'm really good at putting my nose down uh-huh. and uh, just getting done what needs to be done. But I think I've always had, I, I I don't know, I don't know if I like the pressure of being in charge, but I can handle it, I yeah. guess. I don't pursue it necessarily, but I can handle it if I need to. I will say I'm probably a pretty lenient boss for the most part. I don't really need to not be. I, I think that my staff is so good at what they do that they're pretty much self-managing. Um, yeah. But I think if you ask my parents, they would always say I would be in charge of something mm-hmm. at some point
1: when yeah. I got older. So. Um, what kind of like high school experiences did you have that mm. maybe looking back kind of pushed you towards entrepreneurship?
0: Oh, man, that's interesting.
1: I... Because a lot of people will have bad experiences yeah like having a boss in high school or their teachers and so they end up wanting to have control of their work
0: right and so i think mine was a little bit the opposite i've always worked well with people in authority um i got along really well with my teachers and stuff and i think honestly for me and it was a little bit of the same pattern that played out here is that if a well and i'll, I'll take it a little bit forward to college um just because in college is a very similar experience where it's like I didn't go out seeking any sort of authority or job opportunity in charge of people um, but it was kind of asked of me and given to me and then when it's asked of me I took it over and so in college I uh, proctored for a few departments that I didn't even weren't even in my area of studies I just got along well with the professor and they thought I could handle it and so I did a lot of grading did a lot of class leading and did a lot of exam proctoring and oral exams for, like, the foreign language department and stuff, Um, and I think it was a similar pattern where I, if you ask me to do it, I'll step up, but I probably won't go out there and
1: uh, look for it. It sounds like you're taking a lot of responsibility just, like, all throughout your life, whether it's, I mean, it's being asked of you, you're not really out seeking for it, but either way, you have a lot of stress <laughs> um. <laughs> you know
0: and
1: so how do you deal
0: with that um the stress part comes and goes obviously there's some days that I feel like I've totally got a handle on things and other days that I feel like I'm on a verge of a breakdown all the time but that's more personal just how I personally deal with stress I do feel a lot of responsibility um like you said very personally for things and Maybe it doesn't need to be that way. I see some people able to kind of dichotomize their personal worth and also all the responsibilities on the plate. Um, I have a harder time with that, and so it's easy to kind of take things to heart a little bit too much and get a little stressed out on like a failure level or pending failure level. Mm So... there's that part that I've had to kind of learn to deal with and it's always an ongoing lesson Um, I think anyone who takes on being in charge especially of people uh, is kind of asking for it Uh (laughs) because the buck stops at you and so you have to make peace with that and be willing to kind of live with that and it's a lot of pressure sometimes but I realize my personality will always take that on no matter what role I'm in I feel a lot of personal responsibility for things that might not even be my responsibility um so obviously on some level i do go seeking it a little bit whether or not i actually intend to i feel like there has
1: to be some time when you like step down from that and just kind of like relax yeah what does that look like
0: for you um honestly the times i feel the most relaxed about work i would say are probably when i'm just hanging out with the staff like regular people (laughs) like we'll go out to the lariat or we'll go out to the um the jailhouse or something and uh, they're a really fun group of people obviously and there's something about being with your co-workers or your employees on a very normal personal yeah. level outside of work that is all very relaxing honestly uh-huh. um, you know sometimes when I'm at home I can sort of forget about it for a little bit but honestly it's kind of always yeah in the front of my mind <laughs> so <laughs>
1: um, how do you go about hiring because mm. it seems like you're very close with your employees um, yeah you take that very seriously so how does that
0: Uh, It comes down to personality for me. I don't look at someone's resume and judge how much coffee experience they have or how much... Do
1: you look at it at all?
0: I do. Um, Only because you'd be surprised how much you can tell about a person, about kind of the language used on their resume. Um, Honestly, in the age of Facebooking, it's very easy to stop people. (laughs) Uh, Especially in a small town like this, someone knows them usually, and you can kind of get personal references kind of around... That way um, but I, I very much hire based on personality and I just want to see if that person seems like they can handle customer service I love customer service experience on a resume uh-huh. whether it be retail or McDonald's I don't care it's just more that you can handle kind of the throws and punches of customer service the customer service world because it can be really fast-paced and really intense and mm-hmm. If you have really bad customer service, it won't really matter how good your coffee is. And you know, we all have bad days and it's not easy to be nice to everyone always because some people are not so nice. But generally speaking, you're trying to hire people that seem like they can still be nice if they're being yelled at for the most part, though I would understand if they didn't want to be. And um, someone who is really teachable. Uh, Sometimes people come in with an attitude a little bit about how good they are at XYZ. (laughs) And that's usually a red flag for me because I don't really care how good you are at it, because we're gonna teach you our way anyway. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking for teachability, good attitude. Seems like a team player.
1: Yeah. Um, So your quality, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to any of the locals that you're. I mean, you're obviously like the coffee shop in town. And so. Well, we are for us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What does the quality control look like? Because, like, how do you maintain that high quality?
0: Um, well, this is a lot of Joel's legacy that we just kind of had to learn and pass on. But, I mean, it is something you have to take very on very much on a personal level. Yeah. Uh, and my staff has to, too. And so you have to kind of teach them why it matters so much. And eventually they start taking pride in it themselves. And that's your quality control right there is once they start taking pride in their own product that they're putting out on the end of the counter. Yeah. And I've rarely had people that don't. Um, You know, we're aiming kind of for an Italian style of espresso service and preparation. Um, So it's a pretty old school format. And it's difficult in the Starbucks age because people are used to the Starbucks product. And there's nothing wrong with Starbucks. It's just not how we're trying to be. So you kind of have to translate their orders sometimes. Um, It's... Honestly, it comes down to the staff drinking a lot of coffee (laughs) and knowing what it's supposed to taste like. And um, you practice for a long time with a thermometer in your steaming pitcher, and you're trying to hit 138 to 140 degrees every time, and then you take the thermometer out, and you have to be able to do it without it, and you have to be able to hit about – 28 to 30 pounds of pressure every time you push down on the espresso and it just comes down to a lot of repetition Cool.
1: Can you tell me more about this process of making (laughs) espresso? I'm curious.
0: Yeah, so you have um, you have grinders to the left of our espresso machine I'm sure you've seen it Um, And you grind the espresso in, and you can adjust the fineness of the grind and how long it's grinding So So how much is actually going in. Mm -hmm. That's the actual beans that are sitting in those we call them hoppers, but they're on top of those grinders Um, And so then once you do that, you have what's called a tamper and you push down on the tamper. It looks like a little mini barbell Uh Uh, and you're pushing that down so that you're flattening the espresso into what's called the portafilter. And you put the portafilter into the espresso machine and then water comes through that. Um, And then there's two spigots on the bottom of the portafilter that the espresso actually comes out. So it's a pressurized and heated water system. And so, you know, you couldn't just run water over it like a portafilter or tamped espresso like that at your house. Um, It's a very... Finnegan machine cost more than (laughs) some cars, Um, but it came straight from Florence, Italy, and it's it's good at what it does. And so then there are certain things you have to adjust throughout the day, like the grind of the espresso. Um, Steaming the milk is, you're just trying to add air. It's a steam wand, um, Uh and so the wand has hot water, steam, and air coming out of it, and so you're actually adding air and adding heat. Into the milk at the same time, and then you're spinning it in the pitcher to kind of incorporate what we call um, or integrate the air into the milk so that you can't even see the bubbles anymore. Huh. And it's all very, very finicky. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that was probably more than one in So,
1: espresso is just basically concentrated coffee.
0: It's basically concentrated
1: coffee. Okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, and so, now back to your quality control. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about how this is like kind of translated into your personal life, if any. Of, like maintaining a high expectations for yourself?
0: Yes, so if you were to ask my husband, he would know that I'm super neurotic about certain uh, certain standards of things. My parents always said I was a huge perfectionist. I used to be upset at anything less than like a 98% in school, especially if like I thought I should have aced it. Like I've always been kind of that kid. Yeah. Um, And that doesn't necessarily translate so much into, like, I'm not really a nitpicker on my staff. Like, once they know what they're supposed to be doing, they can be their own quality control. And me being over their shoulder telling them something's wrong is probably not going to help them get it right. Uh Um, It's more just, like, if they see that I am aiming for something, they'll do it too. And you do have to be a little bit neurotic and a little bit OCD to keep a food service establishment somewhat clean and somewhat organized because there's a lot going on back there Um, you know we always get good ratings with the health department and stuff and that's a collaborative effort but it also takes a lot of that uh, perfectionist standard from me and from other people uh, to make sure that things are tidy and the way that they should be and yeah I've had to let go of some of that since I've taken over because there's a lot of it that's out of your control <laughs> yeah. things break every day you gotta um, kind of roll with the punches and not everything's gonna be perfect all the time and you just kind of have to go with that a little bit or else you'll die of a heart attack sure.
1: but <laughs> so with all this responsibility comes the consequences of having people um, like always looking at your actions and judging those actions hmm. So what would you say has been, like, the hardest part of being this no public figure in a very small town?
0: Um, it's, you know, it's a good with the bad kind of thing here, but people love to offer a lot of opinions. And there are times that it feels personal, and you really have to put that out of mind a little bit because people can be a little bit mean not just to me but to the staff as well and it's like honestly it feels really stupid because it's coffee we're not curing cancer or anything here it's just like but people I've had to realize some people just kind of make a lifestyle about complaining and um I've kind of had to realize that's what it is, and it's not a personal uh, attack on us or a personal attack on me. And I, it's easier for me if someone's, like, attacking one of the staff verbally or what, whatnot. It's easier for me to defend that just because I feel very protective of that. Um, but if someone's coming to me directly and complaining about something or whatnot, it's hard to kind of take that in stride especially in a small town when you know everyone and it doesn't happen very often and it's usually if anyone complains it's like once a week and it's someone from seattle or something like that you know what i mean it's people who are used to having things a certain way and 99 percent of our customers are so nice and so awesome and we love them and then you get that one percent and you kind of focus on the one (laughs) percent and you have to remember that everyone else that day was happy but anyone who's ever been in customer service will tell you that It's really easy to remember the bad experience you had with a customer in that day than anything else. So, you know, be nice to your customer service people (laughs) because they're trying.
1: (laughs) Um, How do you, like, turn those bad judgments into Hmm. a positive for yourself?
0: Um... Well, every time your skin gets a little thicker, (laughs) so there's that. It also kind of helps you narrow down what your priorities and what's important to you, what your priorities actually are. Um, Because if you get 50 people complaining about, you know, five things, you kind of have to pick out of those five things, which are actually important for you to, like, worry about and adjust. And then other things you're kind of like, I'm sorry, tough, but, like, that's the way it is around here. You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, we may not have something that Dunkin Donuts has or whatnot but like we have other really good products and so you can't take every complaint to heart uh, you kind of have to whittle down what is actually worth listening to and worth adjusting
1: yeah
0: honing in on so for
1: sure yeah um, so the roastery definitely has like a Old, I'm mean not old school, but it's like been a consistent style that it's mm-hmm. had for the past few years mm-hmm. um, from the previous owners and now to yourself. Mm-hmm. So just like dreaming, how would you change <laughs> it if you could?
0: Um, honestly, the only thing I would love to change is. I almost wish town in the summer could be a little less busy (laughs) because I feel like that's when it's hardest to keep your quality control down. And so I I don't know that that's something that I would change about the roastery as much. I think all of the staff and I love when we can take the time to kind of chat with people. Those are always the really the best interactions. Uh Um, And we really thrive off of those. And we love when people can come in and appreciate the type of product that we have to offer Um, you know, if I could make the menu a little smaller and have people be still content, that would maybe be ideal because then it's uh, a better level of quality control in that case. But I think also we have to realize like we are a tourist based town and so we do have to kind of cater to the masses a little bit. So that's kind of where some of those offerings come in. And um, if I could take those customers down by half in the summer and kind of spread them out (laughs) over the winter, I think it'd be perfect.
1: But that's kind of dreaming at this point. How would you, if you would, change, like, the design at all of, like, the actual Mm. physical building itself?
0: Well, I think that it just was never intended to be as busy as it is in there. Like, if you were to rip it out and start all over again, with it being as busy as it is now, maybe not when they built it, because when they built it, I think everything made a ton of sense now I feel like we could use twice the counter space because you can really only fit three bodies behind that before it's too crowded. Uh Um, And so that kind of cuts down on your efficiency because you can't, you know, you'd think like, oh, if I just had more people up there, it would all go faster and it all goes smoother. And it's like, no, you'd actually just be tripping over each other. Um, I think that if we could have the counter go much longer, have a second espresso machine, have a way to brew coffee up front, you know, there would be a few things I would change about it. And if I could have two separate lines, you know, we tried the coffee cart in the past to have, just for people who wanted uh, black coffee and burritos, and it didn't really work out so much, and so we, didn't do, like it didn't cut down on our yeah. crowds at all inside because generally people travel in groups and even if they are ordering black coffee, they're with someone ordering something else, you yeah. know? So it's like if I could have two separate lines, it might help. But honestly, we just kind of, you know, people in the summer, if they want to wait for 20 minutes in the line before they can even order, because sometimes it goes out past the curb and usually they're in a group and they're just kind of chatting it up. And yeah. I've realized that if they want to wait, they will. So, <laughs> We try our best. <laughs> that,
1: that coffee cart idea, that coffee, uh-huh. um, what did that look like just mm. physically?
0: So we had the – it was basically a food truck, um, and we would just take burritos from inside and take black coffee from inside out there, and we would just serve it to people, um, just black coffee, just burritos. And we opened up, like, I think an hour earlier than inside. Um, and the idea was that you would just take the people that were waiting behind all the people that want, like – triple shot white mochas with blah, 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 to they were waiting behind them and all they wanted was black coffee. It would be to kind of let them go over and yeah. order somewhere else. Um, it didn't really catch on as much. And even when it did catch on, I think, you know, as a business business owner, you kind of have to look at the books at the end of a season of that and say, like, okay, are we losing money or making money on this um, opportunity? And I think Joel Lloyd did it for one summer, and I did it for one summer, and I looked back at the books, and I was like, I don't – this is not making money at all, and it's yeah. it's kind of a drain more than it is um, helping, and so you just kind of have to recalibrate at that point in time. Yeah.
1: So how did you manage the risk of that of like the process? Saying like, okay, if this doesn't work, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and we'll know that. But
0: well, because there wasn't a huge output of expense for that kind of thing, it was a product we were selling products we already had. We yeah. were you know, making the products in the building right next to it. It was our electricity. There wasn't like some huge um, overhead cost to operate that. It was just, you're not making a ton out there. So it's, yeah. yeah, So why, why really try? Because you do have to pay an extra person to be out there. And uh, in this town, in this day and age, it is really hard to just come up with um good labor all the time and i've been so fortunate but i know that every summer gets a little bit harder for especially main street and uh, service business owners to kind of staff fully for the kind of crowds that we get just because we're so outnumbered um but that was also part of the decision i was like oh if i'm going to have a bunch of good people i'd rather have them all inside and just working faster on that line so i feel
1: like sometimes with those like small not even risks really, but mm-hmm. just like expansions, mm-hmm. there's almost a reputational risk of like yeah. having tried this and now it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, did you think about that at
0: all? Um, you know, if I had done it for five years and shut it, I would have been a lot more worried about that. Part of the reason I shut it down was because it was hard to staff, the consistency of it was hard to keep up. Like, I didn't want it to be open just at random. I wanted to have a set schedule for it and it seemed not worth it to me. If it was gonna be like, okay, it's here, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Friday. But, like, if you're not going to have it open and reliable, it didn't seem like a good idea. That's yeah. the kind of reputation risk you don't want to have because, uh, like, we are open seven days a week. We close very few times throughout the year. And if there's a special closure, we give everyone, like, two weeks' yeah. notice. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those consistency things that I don't want to – I don't want to put an inconsistent vibe out there. Yeah. <laughs> so that was part of the
1: part of the decision to close it down too. Cool. Um, that's interesting like saying it. If it would have gone 5 years, then obviously there would have been more of a expectation. Yeah. Yeah, people would have gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Do you think it would have like grown into something that was that would have been consistent if you would have kept it?
0: You know, I think if one person and not someone that already owned another business had like come to me and we like partnered and okay. they made that their baby and that was kind of their focus. I think part of it was it was kind of an afterthought. It was more meant to mitigate our crowds than it was meant to be its own thing. And I think something like that, in order to be really good and um, be really consistent, kind of needs 100% of someone's attention. Yeah. And none of us could give that because our attention is kind of split to the inside. Uh-huh. So yeah. It seems
1: like the value that you're offering like to the customer isn't quite high enough for Like, to have it out there. Yeah. it's more of, like, your personal benefit of the business, of, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. cutting down lines and stuff.
0: Yeah, and there were some people that really appreciated being able to skip the line, and they used it, you know, once or twice a week, and they were my most consistent um, clientele out there. And, obviously, for those people, I'd love to be able to offer that, but, you know, you need more than five people a day to kind of make it. I mean, it was more than that, but you need more than just a few people kind of defecting from the inside line to actually use it to make it profitable and make it worthwhile. Um, so honestly it was just more of a focus issue. I just thought our focus was better used indoors.
1: Definitely. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks.